Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast originates from and connects the Gateway City to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. We're talking to author, journalist, publisher, and filmmaker Seth Ferranti about his new film, Nightlife. Seth, welcome to St. Louis In Tune. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Well, uh, give us a little background because you have a unique perspective to do a film like this and of the 20-something books that you've written that deal with uh, topics that most people would not deal with. What's your background? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I I basically grew up in in the suburbs, but then, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, I I started getting the drugs, you know, mostly cannabis, psychedelic scene. Um, I started selling. By by the time I was 19, I was supplying 15 colleges in five states on the East Coast with LSD and, and cannabis. That was right at the height of the war on drugs. So, you know, when uh, the hammer came down, the hammer came down pretty hard. Uh, I got uh, I got a 25 year sentence. But, you know, at first I took off. I was a top 15 most wanted fugitive for two years from 91 to 93. I got caught in 93. And uh, yeah, that hammer came down. I got I got 25 years in um, in federal prison for a first time nonviolent offense. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but but you use that time what I'm going to say productively, because you earned several degrees there. You started writing and did all kinds of things that relate to uh, the film we're kind of talking about. And how did you get to know about uh, Reverend Kenneth McCoy, who is uh, a.k.a. pastor of the streets? Well, I, I, I was when I first got I got out of prison in 2015 and, you know, I've been writing for Vice and, and other outlets um, while I was in it. It's kind of like a freelance, you know, prison true crime journalist. And so I continued that when, when I got out and I was based here in St. Louis and uh, my editor wanted to do like like a heroin ring story because they were hearing a lot about the rings, a lot of indictments and stuff in the city, like around 2015, 2016 you know, big, those big gang indictments, like a hundred people uh, long. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of looking at that as a possible story. And I, I talked to some lawyer friends of mine, cause I was seeing if they, you know, had any contact down on the mount, North side of St. Louis or somebody I could talk to. And they directed me to the Reverend Kim McCoy. And when I went out and I talked to him, he's like, Oh, we do this walk. Come on out. So I was like, okay. So I, I went out and, um, I was just like the, you know, every, everybody talks to talk, you know, everybody says the right things, you know, in the media, you know, politicians, you know, we need to be this, we need to do that. But I mean, this man is like out in the street, like literally doing it like from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights in the hottest spots in the city. You know, the, 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 the communities, you know, that make, you know, St. Louis, you know, a perennial top five murder capital, mm-hmm. you know, and he walks through these neighborhoods and he just tries to, uh, you know, he's a violence interrupter, so he tries to diffuse stuff, but he also, you know, he provides care for the homeless, you know, the addicts, the mental ill, you know, he, he gives out food, he gives out food, he gives out water, he gives out blankets, you know, socks, he tries to get people into rehab if necessary, into homeless shelters, they carry Narcan in case somebody ODs, and, you know, they, 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 they try to talk to the shot callers, they try to talk, you know, to the, the people in the gangs, and they try to make sure, you know, diffuse any violence or, or kind of play diplomat. 
Yeah, and his motto that you have on uh, a promo here says, our love for our people and belief in our convictions is stronger than our own fear of death. And you spent a lot of time with him over two years, and you probably saw that it just wasn't words. It was actions, wasn't it? Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how we kind of do in society. I mean, really, you know, it's not funny, but um, we, we tend to marginalize people. We stigmatize people. We kind of, you know, put people under the rug or, or put people over here and say, well, they don't want to plug into our, our, our nice American life. And when you go out in the streets like this, you know, in, 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 in you know, the most poverty stricken parts of, of the city, and especially, you know, they got that Del Mar divide thing. Once you get past Del Mar, mm-hmm. it's just like crazy. You know, it's a crazy difference. It's like night and day. But those people out there are people. You know, I mean, they might be struggling with mental illness. They might be struggling with drug addiction. You know, they might be struggling with a million different things. I mean, we, we, we all struggle. You know, a lot of times though, when you have less resources, your struggle might end up, you might end up on the street. So, you know, they're just people caught up in it, man. But at the end of the day, they're still people. And that's what I admire so much about the Reverend Kim McCoy, because he is daily extending a hand to these people and trying to help them out if they want the help. You know, of course, you can't help anybody if they won't want to be helped. Right. But he's actually out there. And, and you know, if he saved countless lives. But even, you know, one one life is invaluable. So, you know, the, the more lives he can save, you know, by being out there and doing his thing and what he calls his ministry of presence. I just believe, uh, you know, I wanted to make a film about him, man, because it, it's just like, uh, this is like a perfect example of, you know, the, like the decency of the human heart or like what a person can do, you know, but, uh, you know, I just want to show that up as, as kind of a light in the darkness. Is that kind of why you've gone and written all the books that you've written and just let people know what life is like, what some would say on the other side of the tracks or those people who have been cons or in, involved in lifestyles that aren't the mainstream of what we would see in American life? Yeah, you know, you know what I noticed when, when I got in prison? So when I got in prison, it's like, you know, I was in the feds. So I'm like with all these famous like mafioso mobsters, gang leaders, stuff like that, because it's a fed. So that's where they put all like the RICO Act people. So, you know, I, I'm in the feds. You know, when I first came in, there's like all these mafiosos. I, you know, I could get books about them. There's books about these guys. You know, I'd call my mom. Hey, order me this off Amazon or whatever. There's all these Colombians. I can get books. I can, you know, this dude's on the block. I can read a whole book about him. But then... As gangster rap kind of rose in, in, in the mid '90s while I was in, and um, you know a lot of these, uh, you know, got guys from the inner city, you know, started getting mentioning and, and places part of hip hop lore. I was looking for books on these guys, and there were no books, and I was like locked up. Like some of these dudes were like on the same compound as me. So you know, I had this idea to be a writer, and really it was just you know it, it was. It was circumstance, but it was something I was interested in. It was something right there. And I've went to plenty of the dudes, and they don't want to talk, and they don't want to tell their story. But, you know, some of them do. So, you know, I would just approach people. And, you know, luckily at that time, I, I had a little bit of time in, so I, I had a reputation. Because in there, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you got to have a certain type of rep- reputation that dudes want to talk to. Right. Now, what is the message you want people to get from the film when they see it? I just want people to know that there's a lot of issues, you know, gun violence, you know, police brutality, you know, um, poverty, drug addiction, mental illness. And, and these, these issues, these things going on are like right in our own city. You know, this isn't like some foreign country. I mean, it's right here 
And uh, I just want people to realize, man, that people are people. You know, and, and if anybody can help the Reverend Kim McCoy in any way by going out there or, you know, donating money to his cause or whatever, I mean, it, it, it's all good. Any type of help, everybody can provide a different type of help. But I think this goes even deeper than what he's doing. It's just a human thing, man. You know, we're, we're all Americans, so we got to help lift the people that are struggling. We got to help lift them up. Absolutely. You know, make a better world, a better world for everybody. You know, when people struggle, everybody struggles. Struggle is the common denominator of humanity. So Some people just struggle at different levels of resources. So, I mean, if we can all recognize that. So that's kind of what this film is about. And, and one of my biggest things is, right, like, you know, I grew up in this country. You know, I, I love America, you know, for all her faults. You know, this is still my country. I'm a patriot. Even though they sent me to prison and all that, I'm still American. I still love my country. You know, I grew up in the suburbs. And, you know, I couldn't imagine at 11 or 12 year olds, at 11 or 12 years old, feeling that I needed a gun for protection. And in the north side, you got some of these 11, 12 year old kids, and that's how they feel. Right. Now, Seth, where can people see the show other than at Washington U Brown Hall on Sunday, July 17th? That's when the showing is going to be, 7.30, Sunday, July 17th at Washington University Brown Hall. Are there other times when people can uh, see the film, Nightlife? Yeah, well, we're going to do this premiere, and um, I'm actually talking to aggregators right now and, and sales agents. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a, a public release, you know, in the fall sometime. So, um, you know, we just got to see how it goes and uh, see where I can get it placed. You know, I got White Boy. White Boy with the stars of Netflix. So, you know, um, that's, that's uh, the one I wrote and directed about White Boy Rick, the injustices of his case. But, uh, you know, this is my directorial debut. So, you know, I'm trying, to, uh, I'm trying to make some noise. I'm trying to get some notice and uh, still, you know, trying to put myself in, in this film on the map. I, I, well, think I, hope you, I think you'll make a difference, too, with it. Um, just one, this is probably uh, the worst question I could ask, but, uh, you have so much experience, uh, from so many different angles here. Do you see, and I guess there's no one special pill that can help, uh, society in, in some of the challenges that you're attacking here, but my goodness, what can we do? You say we can make, uh, contributions, um, to folks that are working in some of these neighborhoods, but is, is there anything you really see that we're missing here that we can really do to help? Yeah. This, I mean, this is the thing. I, I don't know. I don't know if you take this is taken up on the government level, the, the legislation level, but right. Like let's talk about the Delmar divide. I mean, why you got the same houses on the other side of Delmar. I mean, you know, some, some are, you know, destroyed or whatever, but some are still, People take some people take care of their houses over there. Some are still in good shape. So why is the same house on one side of Del Mar right. worth like seven fifty million and that same house, a house literally built the same, the same brick, the same style, it's all in the same area, it is worth like not even two hundred thousand or hundred and fifty. It's just these are yeah. what we have. I mean, if we could solve this, it's about resources, man. That's what it's about. Look, I was in prison for twenty one years. It's a, a scarcity of resources. So people fight and kill each other over resources in there because you live in a fishbowl. So it's the same thing out here, man. It's, it's resources. So if we can figure that out, like, look, I'm not pretending to have all the answers. I'm, I'm just presenting no. this man and what he's doing in, in the art form that I've chosen, you know, and, and that's what I do. But uh, 
Yeah, man, that that's the first question. It's two blocks apart, not even two blocks apart. You know, why 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 are the police heavy in the Central West End, but you cross Delmar, you don't see any cops. Right. Mm. Right. So good, valid questions. And you're absolutely right. And it's, so, and this is on levels higher than us. You know, this is on government levels. This is on law enforcement levels. And like I say, I'm not criticizing anybody, man. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of work to do. You know, it's a lot of hard work. But, you know, we need right. to get the right agencies and the right government people, and they need to address the right thing. You can't just leave these people like this. It's crazy. It is crazy. I couldn't agree with you more. It is absolutely crazy. We need folks that can really help, that have courage. Uh, it's not, it's a challenge. I don't think it's, I don't want to call it a problem because I think it's a challenge that we, we turn this around that, that Delmar divide is just the worst, like you say. And the value of those homes is so low that in order to rehab them and make them, you know, what they should be, it, it would cost you as much as the value of that house. And the result is that people won't do it. So there needs to be some people with courage, as you say, that'll just help make this right. You know, put us, and I guess every step in what you're doing, I, I applaud what you're doing. Cause I think every step we take towards that direction is so vitally important. Yeah. And like I said, there's no perfect answer. And, and a lot of this stuff has been, has been going on. You know, I, I think really the inner cities have been, uh, you know, cratering since the 70s. So, I mean, this is going, you know, you're talking 50 years, you know, so it, it, it's just like, you know, whatever. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be a more uh, awoken, sensitive America today. So, you know, this is just one, one more thing that's out there. And it's nothing new. I mean, people have talked about this before. I'm just, I'm just talking about it as it pertains to the Reverend Kim McCoy and the north side of St. Louis in my phone. So Valuing People is something that you need to see in nightlife. It's a film by Seth Ferranti, his directorial debut. And Seth, we're greatly appreciative here on St. Louis and Tune for you taking time to talk to us about the film. No, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I, I treasure the opportunity for real. We're glad you listened to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. Please share this podcast or tell a friend. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.